very amusing, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I will be real with you from the top. I need new podcast equipment. I was just setting up my mic, and it keeps flooping down. Like, it's just, you know that toy where it's a giraffe, and you press, like, a button on the bottom, and the giraffe goes, and, like, all its bones fall out? That's, that's what's happening with this microphone. I have this, oh, my God. I... I've been recording this podcast with truly garbage equipment since we began. Uh, when we launched, there was a promise of, oh, girl, you're going to go to a studio to record. Like, there's a there's a podcast studio in L.A. You can just trot over there and do your interviews. And then a pandemic happened immediately after. So I, I honestly don't even know if there is a studio. I should look into that. But I'm using this mic stand that is so old and so bad. And I'm looking at it being like, I think it's time. I think it's time. I cleaned my whole house this weekend which if you follow me on social media, you've seen. And now that I'm, you know, I've spent multiple days picking up objects and not Marie Kondoing them because I do not believe in that philosophy. Um, picking up objects and being like, I don't need this. Why is this in my house? And now that I'm looking at this mic stand, I'm like, I... I've stuck with this long enough where I think I deserve to buy myself a new mic stand. So I think I'm going to buy all new equipment. I just decided it right now. And since I said it on the record, on my own record, um, I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to buy a new mic. I got to look into what that would be. But hopefully when uh, our dear friend Jeff Fox listens to this, he'll be happy because I he the only reason this podcast sounds good is because of whatever magic Jeff Fox is doing to it. Anyway, um, I don't know if you can tell that I've been locked in the house for a week. <laughs> but yes, I am barely leaving my house. This is day, oh my God, six or seven at this point. I do not have COVID. I am preemptively quarantining because in nine, nine or 10 days, I will be going on the inaugural sailing of the Disney Wish. I am so excited. I cannot wait. It's going to be so much fun. I'm bringing my mom. But the thing is, with Disney Cruise Line, you have to show a negative test to get on board. And the way the testing system works, which we will get into further when we cover the Disney Wish, but you have to take a test two days in advance or at the port. But I think what everyone does is like take it two days in advance. So I... I am like preparing for this with my body, like my brain would for the ACTs. You know what I mean? Like usually it's like you study for a test. And because this test requires me to not catch COVID, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not making that possible. I'm like kind of going to grocery stores, but I'm mostly in the house. And lately, you know, now that we're rounding the corner of like one full week, whenever I, whenever I start talking, my husband just kind of starts laughing because I think I just make no sense because I have not been socializing enough. Oh no, we should not have done a monologue episode for a week where I'm trapped in the house. Ay ay ay. Uh, hopefully this is coherent for all you out in the real world. <laughs> but it's going to be worth it because I cannot wait to get my tukus on the Disney Wish. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I got I got a pack soon. Thank goodness I cleaned up my closet. Oh boy. Anyway, this week is going to be a mishmash episode, which if you have not listened to our previous mishmash episode, that is a reference to a type of soup at a Jewish deli where basically, you know, if you're ordering soup, you can get a matzo ball soup, you can get chicken noodle, you can get kreplok, which is like a 
a beef dumpling, I want to say. It's kind of like a pierogi if a pierogi was in soup. I think that's a really good way to explain it, actually. They have all these different things. You can get rice, whatever. You know, like chicken soup with rice. Or if you get mishmash, you get all of them. You get all of them in a huge bowl. It's kind of like a kitchen sink, but it's called mishmash. And so we are using the mishmash approach on this week's episode because there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about and there's no theme running through it except for uh, it, the parallels that runs against a bowl of soup that I grew up eating because it was basically like a soup buffet, which, oh, RIP soup plantation and sweet tomatoes. But you know, it's like a one, like a one woman soup buffet, a bowl of soup with a bunch of stuff in it. So this week we have mishmash. I hope you love it. There is a lot of different stuff we're going to get into and I guess I'll turn it over to me. I really haven't. Oh boy, y'all. I haven't been out of the house in a while. <laughs> I'm sorry if I uh, sound a little kooky, but uh, stick around. Uh, it'll be worth it. I promise. Okay, bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. another mishmash episode of Very Amusing. Now, just to give you too much information, as is my brand, we had a shift in the schedule, so you are stuck with me solo this week. I don't know why I'm apologizing that you have to listen to me on a podcast hosted by me. But alas, I don't know. I feel compelled to be like, sorry uh, that on my podcast you hear me talking, uh, which is essentially what it is. But as you know, this is the longest we've gone without calling it, you know, without being like, the season is over. See you in three to five months. And usually we take a pre-production break between and we catch up on other stuff and we get ready for the next season. So we launch with a bunch of loaded episodes. And we are really out there right now without that. Um. And so we live and die by a schedule that this week things shifted. And so you have me. But anyway, I I really don't like to put two self-hosted monologue episodes back to back, but the scheduling dictated it. So here we are. But it's fine because I want to use this opportunity to give you a little heads up about what's coming this summer. Because this summer, oh my God, this summer, we have a stacked summer coming up. Now, July is going to be packed with some very, very, very good guests, which I can't spill the beans on yet, but there is one that is lined up that we have been trying to get since before this podcast launched. And how it came together is something I, I, I've never, ever, ever, ever shared with you all before. I've never shared with most of my friends. So buckle up for one heck of a story. I really can't even hype it up enough. I've kept a lid on this for like a full calendar year now. It's going to be, it's going to be so good. I'm not going to tell you when it's coming, but it should be sometime in July. And then right after that, August, August is going to be a theme month. It's nothing like Shrek's Ember. It's not going to happen every year, but it's a set of episodes I've wanted to do for a really long time now. And I think I finally figured out the right way to do it. And then right after that, we roll right into September with our massive D23 Expo coverage. I'm still breaking out those episodes because truly, will it be, 
Will it be better to just check in each night and like barf the news at you or to wait a few days later and then offer more reported and likely coherent feedback? I'm still grappling with what the best approach is because we've never had this podcast during a D23 Expo and there's so much news that breaks during Expo. Now I might do I might do a little of everything. Like if you're like me, you want a preview episode, you want a nightly episode, and you want a postmortem episode. Uh, which I know a lot of businesses use that term, but frankly, it just reminds me of Bones, so I like using it. Yes, the TV show Bones. I'm still I'm still watching it. I'm on season eleven. I'm almost there. Um, but rest assured, you will be getting so much D23 Expo content here and on social media because frankly, I was thinking about it today, and we need some news. Think about it. Disney is. So so behind on news right now. This kind of happens before a big event like D23 Expo, where if there was going to be a big announcement, they're not just going to like bloop it out on the internet. They're going to save it for the main stage when we're at D23 Expo. And if you kind of look at the parks right now, there's essentially nothing new, new coming to Disneyland Resort. And I don't say that to be cute. I mean, nothing that's truly new that has been shared with us yet. Yes, we have Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway that's going to be in Toontown when they update Toontown, but otherwise, there's no brand new, not yet announced land or ride or, or, or restaurant. Like, there's nothing there. And the second attraction coming to Avengers Campus really doesn't count because if that is discussed at D23 Expo, that would just be us getting confirmation that it's still happening, really. Now, the one exception to this about getting news later this year is the Princess and the Frog retheme of Splash Mountain. We will be getting an update on that during Essence Fest, which is at the end of this month. It runs June 30th to July 3rd. The news will be breaking about Splash Mountain. I'm expecting an opening date and a lot more details during that festival. But again, as excited as I am for that attraction, because I am so excited for it. It is technically a refurbishment, not an entirely new land or an entirely new build or an entirely newly created ride system. So I'm excited for it, but it is a little different from what I'm hoping to get out of D23 Expo for Disneyland. And when you look over at Disney World, yes, we we do still have Tron on the horizon. That's really the next big thing that's coming beyond... um the middle of Epcot, (laughs) like the the whole center of Epcot. But keep in mind, Tron at Magic Kingdom was announced in 2017. That's five years ago. It was supposed to be open by now. It was supposed to be open in 2021. And yes, the pandemic messed everything up, and I completely understand. But sitting here in 2022, you know, just a few short months away from a real big news announcement, it just kind of further emphasizes that we're really up against a wall where we do not know what quite comes next to these parks. We don't know the next big land. We don't know what resorts it'll be at. We really don't know what's next, and it's very exciting. And uh, I, I personally cannot wait for what it is. So yeah, we will probably be doing nightly episodes, <laughs> it sounds like. But the reason I'm kind of waxing on about this is... Because I've realized that lately, I've not been doing the best job of looking at things from this kind of 10,000-foot perspective. In prepping for a podcast I'm guesting on later this week called The Town, run by one of my favorite reporters, Matt Bellany, I sat down and thought about the bigger picture of how I feel about where Walt Disney Parks and Resorts are at right now. These days, about 75% of my work is talking about Disney for 
Disney fan audiences, which is a shift from where I began and what it used to be before. I kind of used to primarily write for non-Disney audiences, specializing in translating stories and news and tips and guides and whatever else to more casual park goers and less tapped in Disney fans. But now, as you know, I'm in the mix. I got feelings about all of it. And I am very deep in the community, which I love, by the way. I'm obsessed with it and couldn't be happier. But taking that step back has really been interesting and opened my eyes to things that I forgot I have many thoughts about and never really share here. So... Basically, taking a step back to report out and thoroughly explain things like Magic Key and park reservations and generally what's happening at Disney World and Disneyland on this top note kind of level for this podcast later this week really had me thinking about the zoomed out stuff I don't cover here, where we we discuss everything here, and yet we never discuss at length, like, really what I think about how the parks are being run right now. And in that process, I have come to some realizations. So this is a kind of... Uh, I don't know, an an open discussion of the state of things. But I wanted to start and then probably devolve into many other things, but start with discussing the park reservation system. Now, the park reservation system still feels new branding-wise, but we've had this for a while now. And while I completely understand why they have it at Disney World, something's got to give with Disneyland. They got to rip this system out and start again. To me, the park reservation calendar fundamentally misunderstands something that is so core to the Disneyland Resort experience, and that is spontaneity. Yes, Disneyland does pull in guests from other states or even Californians who fly or drive or travel a long way to be in the park, but for its locals, for the Anaheim area, for the Los Angeles area population, which is massive, by the way, millions and millions and millions of people, It has become prohibitively difficult to visit these parks and to do so in a semi-casual manner. I regularly get texts from people I know who live in California who go, uh, I wanted to go to Disneyland next week and there's just no way to get in because people who are locals are not trained to plan for Disneyland. Disney World has been a a whole bag of problems for a while now. I mean, from waking up to book fast passes for years and 180 day ADRs, stuff like that. That's been difficult and challenging for a long time. But Disneyland is different. Disneyland is technically a regional park. It holds so much cultural significance for the state in both tourism and residents that it's baffling that the way you visit the park is at odds with how so many people hope to and have previously visited, which is casually. Now, if you are a side note, if you are someone who is looking for a reservation and cannot find it, my best advice to you is to keep refreshing over and over and over and over and over. Recently, two people I know, two very different people, different days, they were trying to go to the parks, different ticket types. They did that and they were able to find the reservation they were looking for. So keep that in mind. Just refresh, refresh, refresh. Now, Disneyland has really progressed from being this day trip that people go on to being somewhat of a gauntlet. And that's not entirely Disney's fault. Demand has never been higher than right now. I know it. You know it. We all know it. We didn't have these parks for so long. And a bit of it that I don't think people talk about enough is that now knowing that they can be taken from us at any minute, like they were in 2020 and in 2021 on the West Coast, it makes you look at each vacation and trip differently. Or at least it does to me. Before, these places were permanent in our minds. And now to have gone so long without them, it kind of makes you think, well... We should go. You never know what could happen in the future, which is a thought that had never crossed my mind before. But the issue remains for me 
on both coasts, really, but we're talking about Disneyland at the moment, is that I genuinely do not understand why these parks are as full as they are. I do not understand it because they not only feel full, but all of the booking availability reflects it as well. I actually checked wait times for the same date as today. Uh, I'm recording this on June 20th, which is a national holiday, a Monday. And I checked the wait times for June 20th in 2019, which fell on a Friday. Uh, and the wait times are pretty similar. Splash Mountain right now is posted 90 and was posted 101 minutes in 2019. We have 75 for Indiana Jones today was 80. 45 for Peter Pan today was 55 then. And while they're out, there are outliers, things like Autopia and Mad Tea Party that are way higher today in 2022, probably because Toontown is closed, I think. Disneyland is completely unavailable today. In fact, it's unavailable all week until Friday, even though these wait times for attractions are very similar between 2019 and today, which again is a national holiday. It's Juneteenth observed today, and still the wait times are similar. And I keep coming back to the question of how is that possible? The parks were never, never at capacity in summer 2019. And yes, Toontown is currently closed, but we even have Rise of the Resistance, which is a huge attraction, which holds a lot of people, which we didn't have in summer 2019. How is it possible that the parks on either coast would maybe only reach phased capacity one, two days a year, but now you literally can't get into Disneyland for four days in a row? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. On the dining end, we know that it's basically impossible to get restaurant reservations right now. If you open the app and you look for a restaurant reservation at Disneyland Resort within a day or two, you're going to get a Goofy's Kitchen or nothing. It's just how it is. And yes, there are wait lists, but still, I feel comfortable saying that this is partially because of labor. It seems that way, and it's inferable that there just aren't enough people to run all of these restaurants all the time at 100% capacity. But in terms of extrapolating that information for attractions, I'm sitting here trying to look at this problem and be like, what is causing these parks to be at capacity when they shouldn't be. But even when I start questioning and getting really deep into it and thinking about, oh, maybe there are less staff. So maybe that means there are less people to operate the attractions. So maybe that means there are less ride vehicles out in the attraction, less people going through each hour. Therefore, we are hitting capacity in a way we didn't expect. However, whenever that thought crosses my mind, I just think of Space Mountain in Tomorrowland and Disneyland, where those cast members are working like a pit crew. <laughs> there is no one working harder and more efficiently than the cast members of Space Mountain at Disneyland. They couldn't be moving any faster. So I'm really at a loss for what the true reason is. And yes, demand is higher. That is absolutely a factor in it, especially at Disneyland, where there is over, over a year's worth of people who missed out on a trip and are coming back in full force. That is clear. That is visible. That is extremely understandable. I mean, I love Disneyland. Y'all love Disneyland. Who wouldn't want to come here? But I still struggle on a daily basis to wrap my brain around the capacity and the calendar of it all. If we're choosing to keep capacity a certain way for, I don't know, guest comfort, and so these parks aren't overblown with long lines for food and bathrooms and things like that, it seems weird that they wouldn't bump that up a little instead of leaving that money on the table. These parks understandably have to recoup. This is a business. Yes, we love it. Yes, it is a cultural institution. Yes, it is like the entertainment capital of America. But still, it is a corporation that just got out of pandemic and they got to make their money back. I understand that and I respect it. But then again, 
If we were maxing out capacity each day as the calendar reflects, wouldn't the ride times be longer? I mean, so far, they're not apocalyptic. They're actually pretty acceptable and quite reasonable, considering it's the middle of summer. They're not as soul-sucking as they really could be. I also got to talk about the Magic Key system. Now, Magic Key just isn't it. We know. We know. I'm not going to get into it. We know something new is coming on the Magic Key front, and I look forward to what that is because I think that they will figure out a way to reinvent this system. But I do want to mention that not everything is broken or not working. Some stuff at Disneyland really does work. I am a huge, huge fan, huge fan of the California resident ticket offer Disneyland has right now over the summer, which is its peak season. These resident tickets are in some way better than or a perfect complement to a lower tier annual pass. And I almost wish I'd skipped my pass entirely and just sunk that money into seasonal tickets and one or two full price ones whenever I wanted them. It's a really solid offering. I think it's a much better way to navigate the parks because you can use those three dates over time. It's so good for locals. I think it's kind of superior to an annual pass unless you're going like truly five, six times a month. And I hope they do it more because I think it's a a brilliant offering. Also, as we discussed on a previous episode, Genie Plus really does work here so much better than at Disney World. So much better. I experienced that while I was in the parks uh, for my birthday. It it just works. It works. It works well here. But still, it it is annoying. I got to say, I understand the company needs to recoup, but it is annoying to pay a lot of money to get in the gate and a lot more money for food and things because that is all going up in price. Parking is $30. Genie Plus per person per day is $20. That's not like nickel and diming. That is five and tenning. That is serious money, especially if you're going with a family. Now, this is a lot of thoughts at once, and I'm kind of just going off the cuff about it, but I think what it all comes down to across the board is that it can't be more expensive and more difficult to visit these parks. It has to be one or the other. Disney parks are rapidly becoming a premium experience, which we've seen. This is not your regular, affordable, casual family day out. This is really a premium experience. We're seeing that with the growth of the Walt Disney Company. We now go to these parks and we see gigantic blockbuster tentpole franchises like Star Wars and like Marvel. This is a premium experience. But getting in cannot be as difficult as being put on a list for a Grammy's after party. You just, someone needs to pick a lane. Because if it is going to be a costly experience, that has to come with a bit of ease. It has to. Because right now, those two facets fighting against each other of it costing a lot of money and being difficult to get in, in a few years, people are going to look to spend their money elsewhere. I don't know how to, how it's fixed, but that's kind of where I stand on all of it. And I, I hope that one or the other happens because it is just, it is too tricky to visit right now. It's too tricky. It's too tricky. I wasn't planning on getting too much into Walt Disney World today, but I do want to stress that we got to do something about this 7 a.m. wake-up call. I know that it's kind of a six of one, a half dozen of the other in terms of planning for Walt Disney World. I am a fan of planning for Walt Disney World. I do not think it is a place that is designed for you to roll up to. But then again, it is rare, I think, that most people going to Walt Disney World are just randomly going for a day. I think that Walt Disney World requires that planning, and that's how your vacation thrives from it. But to me, waking up at home to book a fast pass 30 or 60 days out is much preferred to waking up 
every single day on your vacation. I think it is too much to ask of people that for them to have the best trip possible, they have to be up at a certain time every day because vacation is supposed to be the opposite of your regular life where you have a schedule, you have an early wake up because you have to get up and do an assignment. And that's essentially how this system works. You have to wake up at 7 a.m. You have to Book your first Genie Plus if you want to get two to three in a day, which is what they've changed the website stipulations to be. You have to wake up that early if you want to book something like Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. If you want to book the virtual queue, you have to be up at 7 a.m. And I think that that is not a good process at all, especially for people from the West Coast where your body is locked in at 4 a.m. I think it is another thing, like I mentioned with Disneyland, where it undercuts the entire idea of what this place should be. This should be a place where you escape the real world and you go on vacation with your family and you have a nice time. And yes, Walt Disney World is not without its stress, not by any means. It is hot. It's a literal swamp. It is a lot. It is huge. You got to walk all day. It's a long day. Kids who don't get a nap get cranky. It's a lot. And I understand that. And that's kind of what I love about it. But the 7 a.m. wake up call really bungles your opportunities for the rest of the day. And I wish there was a way around that. Again, if you're going to be spending the money, it can't cost more money to do these things and also be difficult. Keep in mind, according to the official language on Disney World's website, Genie Plus promises the same or less than what FastPass previously gave for free. FastPass was three. Genie Plus is two to three if you wake up at 7 a.m. and book the first time that you can when it's available. So all I'm saying is that if we're going to be charging more money to do things, especially some things we used to get for free, it can't also be more difficult. It's just too much. And I feel in my bones that it, the weight of this is going to weigh heavily on even Disney's most dedicated fans going forward. Can you believe we didn't just talk about Lightyear and Disneyland this whole time? <laughs> but seriously, this is the type of stuff that I always feel and I talk about with friends and colleagues and that I never actually mention on the podcast. So I just kind of wanted to have a little forum to include it all. That's really all I got for this Mishmash episode. I told you it's a little bit of everything. We did a big old matzo ball in the middle and then a few other noodles about characters. <laughs> but stick around. We have some really good calls this week. Uh, Yeah, that's it. Soup's on. Anyone who's uttered the words Genie Plus knows firsthand that vacations require time, money, planning, energy. And if you put all that effort into enjoying your trip already, why not extend the highlights of that getaway into your everyday with FrameBridge? Put that vintage Epcot ticket up in your office and give it a little personality. Surprise your kid with their favorite character's autograph immortalized on the wall of their room. FrameBridge makes it so easy and affordable to custom frame any photo, park map, or even cocktail napkin from a theme park hotel bar in just minutes. You can mock up exactly what it'll look like on their website before you even spend a dime. Things ship fast and they ship for free, and their colorful custom framing means they'll not only help you plan your gallery wall, but make sure your place looks cooler than the interiors of that mid-century modern home within Spaceship Earth. I love the mementos I framed with FrameBridge so much that I rearranged my entire office so I can enjoy them daily. This is not a bit. This is this is true life. They're the backdrop to my podcast Zoom interviews, my Instagram stories, 
And even the goofy photos we take of Pearl tip-tapping away at my keyboard like she's a miniature employee. Too often, our favorite memories of a vacation are tucked inside our phone or shoved within a drawer. And it thrills me to no end that because of Framebridge, I can finally be surrounded by my memories. Framebridge makes custom framing easy, affordable, and enjoyable. And on top of that, their happiness guarantee ensures that no matter what, you'll wind up with something you love. To get started, head to framebridge.com, because your precious travel memories shouldn't have to stay in the past. That's framebridge.com. Hi, Carly. I'm a sort of new fan of the podcast, longtime fan of the parks. And I have maybe an odd question for you. So, also you hear my cat in the background. So my partner and I are both on the autism spectrum, and because of this, we both have some kind of, like, specific dietary needs. I'm a little more adventurous than my partner is, but I am vegetarian. And my partner will really just eat kind of the diet of a five-year-old. We'll, like, they'll probably go for, like, a grilled cheese or plain pasta, stuff like that. Um, so I'm wondering if you have any, like, recommended places to eat in Disney World where both of us could have something um, that we can eat, so something that's vegetarian that's not just, like, a salad or a side, and some sort of, like, probably kids' menu item from my partner. Um, thank you so much. I love the podcast. Bye, Carly. Now this is the kind of call I live for. Give me your niche inquiries. Feed me your small level recommendation requests. I am so beyond happy to be able to answer this question. Before we get into specific recommendations, because you know, I gotcha. I just want to flag for maybe you or for listeners out there who may not know this, that you can kind of sort of ask an order for what I would call Disney basic items kind of almost anywhere. Like quick service places just usually have Mickey bars in stock. And if you ask for something like chicken nuggets or macaroni and cheese, if it's not on the menu, sometimes they just kind of have it or can get it for you. So when you're going to places, keep that in mind, because if there is something on a kid's menu that your partner would want and they don't see, this is a good way to get it. So just always ask, always ask, because it's possible. Uh, Because I'm right there with you in a way, at least in terms of my personal taste in food. I often sit down at a restaurant at Disney World and just go, "Uh, I just kind of want a Diet Coke, a side of fries, and a bowl of kids' mac and cheese, regardless of the fact that I went there for that menu. And you'd be surprised at how easy that can sometimes be. Uh, In terms of the parks... I have found select mixes of kids' menu dishes and vegetarian dishes that I thought that both of you would like. So to start at Magic Kingdom, I am really digging what's going down at Tony's Town Square Restaurant. They have a spaghetti and impossible meatballs, which are made of obviously impossible meat, mushroom, and garlic. And it's served over spaghetti. It sounds, that sounds perfect. Um, in going through this, as I'm sure you know, and I'm sure other vegetarians know, there are a lot of impossible burgers. There's an impossible burger basically is the plant-based option at about at least half of these places. So I'm sure you probably get burger fatigue. So I tried to split it up a bit. And this dish sounds great. Also, on the kids' menu, they have buttered noodles. They have grilled chicken. They have mac and cheese. They have noodles with sauce. So there's a lot of options there. Over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, I was shocked to find this. But 
Backlot Express actually has a very delicious sounding tofu bowl right now. It's seasoned jasmine rice, marinated tofu, yuzu edamame. What? They're going hard. Carrots, cucumber, and onions drizzled with a house-made lemon tahini, chipotle vinaigrette, and sesame seeds. Okay. I mean, that sounds incredible for Backlot Express. Are you kidding me? And for your partner, we have chicken tenders and fries, which is the quintessential Disney meal, if you're asking me. So you're kind of covered. Epcot is a bit trickier because you think Morocco, because of their plant-based options, that would be a great place to go. But Spice Road Table doesn't appear to have a kid's menu with their newer updated tapas menu. So that is kaput. So my recommendation for you is going to go to La Hacienda de San Angel, where you are going to order a chili relleno. Oh my God, what like truly the best dish on the menu. I would order that even though I'm a meat eater. Sounds delicious. You can get a side of plantains. You can start out with guacamole. Truly can have a wonderful dinner that doesn't feel vegetarian and also isn't made from a fake meat product. I don't like to, I don't want to share with you too many fake meat products. I'm sure you want a variety. So hopefully that is a home run. But also... We got a cheese quesadilla on the kids' menu. We got a white cheddar mac and cheese. We got chicken tendies. We have plenty of options. And I actually, Animal Kingdom-wise, I couldn't choose one single restaurant, so I have a a lot of recommendations for you. But I know we said no salads, and this is just a one-off, but Pizza Fari has a salad that sounds so good that I kind of want to bypass my regular Animal Kingdom spots for it. It's a green and grain salad, which is mixed greens, Garbanzo beans, white beans, red onion, pepperoncini, Kalamato olives, tomatoes, quinoa, and green goddess dressing. That sounds delicious uh, if your partner is into pizza, but if not, I got you covered. Now, Restaurantosaurus has an Impossible Foods partnership, and this is going to be the one burger I do recommend to you because I thought it sounded so good. The Impossible Spicy Southwestern Burger. We have a plant-based patty. Pepper Jack, which is actually a vegan cheese, chipotle sauce, lettuce, and tomato. And on the kids' menu, we got all the basics. Cheeseburger, mac and cheese, cheese fries, chicken nuggies, grilled chicken strips, the whole gamut. And my final recommendation, it's going to be surprising. Uh, I've never, ever, ever, ever recommended this place before in my life. But my friend Kelsey has been in my ear about Rainforest Cafe. Kelsey has just been brainwashing me about Rainforest Cafe. The whole two days we spent together at Disneyland, a lot of it involved Kelsey being like, you know, you should go to that Rainforest Cafe in Animal Kingdom. And now I am thankful to her for it because Rainforest Cafe truly has the most stacked kids menu. We're talking pasta, however you'd like it. We're talking grilled cheese. We're talking mini hot dogs. Mini hot dogs. Hot dogs. Oh my God. But the thing is, you will be stuck with a salad or a Beyond Burger. So keep in mind that the kids menu at Rainforest Cafe in Animal Kingdom, it's the same at Yak and Yeti. We got two options with a robust kids menu. And at Yak and Yeti, at least, you can order a roasted vegetable bowl. Now there's no, there's really not much protein in this, but it does sound good because it's oven roasted kalbi, which is Korean barbecue, marinated vegetables served with a flavorful blend of way too many things. White quinoa, red quinoa, and brown rice. And it has a sriracha aioli on it. Sounds pretty good. Um, Quinoa has like a little bit of protein, I think. So that's not, I mean, I don't know if that's enough for you for a full park day, but if you want to take the hit and get that so you can hit up that great kids menu, I think that's a wonderful option. Uh, I hope, I hope this helped. I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm on house hunters, but for finding you the perfect restaurant, this is a dream. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful trip and you eat lots of yummies the whole time. Thank you for calling. 
Hi, Farley. This is Kelly. Um, I am listening to your um, Tarot Hotline episode. It's wonderful. But I just wanted to say to, I think her name was Kathy, but I'm not remembering, but the person who um, has a lot of anxiety about going back on Rise of the Resistance because they yelled at her. Um, the other thing that she could do is get a sunflower lanyard or sometimes you can get a pin. Um, those are used for people with invisible disabilities. Um, I use one sometimes when I'm at the park, um, but often when I'm not at the park because other places can be less friendly towards that. Um, it's not a symbol that's used super often in the United States. It's used more often overseas, um, but it's starting to be adapted more here. Um, so it can help. You might not want to wear it all the time because it's kind of a signal to people that, like, if you're standing on a bus, that it would be nice for them to um, switch, for them to stand up if they are able-bodied and let you sit down. Um, but it does apply to mental illness and anxiety and things like that. And hopefully they would at least have the potential to know that. I know that people in the parks know what these symbols mean in general. Cast members know what they mean. Um, so that might be another option. Love you. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Oh my gosh, Kelly, thank you so much for calling in with this information. I personally had absolutely no idea about this, and I'm so grateful that I now know, and we'll, when I see this out in public, we'll recognize it. Um, I hope that if anyone else out there also didn't know this, that this call was beneficial because this is such important information, and I'm so thankful that you called in and shared it with us. Now, I personally know Kelly. Kelly and I met through the FOMALY. We planned a fundraiser last 2020. I was going to say last year, but I guess time has has flown. Uh, Kelly is a friend of the pod, a friend of the family, and a friend of yours truly, so I am very grateful. Please tell your adorable son, Asher, I say hi. I assume you two are listening to this together, so hi, Asher! I'll tell him myself. I mean, why not? Thank you so much for calling. I really appreciate it, and I hope to see you again soon. Hi, this is Kennedy Young, and I have to be quick this time because I literally have to dash into work, but I was Listening to this most recent um, Churros episode of the podcast and the salmon question came up and I had a flash of the most delicious salmon I've ever had in my life in Walt Disney World and um, I just had to throw it in here really quick. Now, uh, this was pre-COVID. I don't know if it's back. Um, I, I, I don't know if you can still find it. But when I was at BOMA, uh, you know, a couple years back or something, um, I've eaten there a couple of times, and they had delicious, delicious salmon at Boma. And this is buffet salmon, so that is incredibly, that's extra shocking. Um, uh, I, I don't know for the family who was traveling um, from Canada who is specifically looking for salmon. Um, you know, Boma seems a little bit out of the way, but I happen to love most of the food that they have there, and I think that it is worth it if you can squeeze in um taking the extra time going out of your way to go eat at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, I think it's worth it. Uh, the salmon there was delicious. I hope they brought it back um, post-COVID. Well, it's not post-COVID. You know what I mean. I hope they brought it back with the reopening. Um, anyway, i got to go into work. Um, 
Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the salmon. Okay, bye. Kennedy, what a great tip. Thank you so much for calling in about this. Now, I sort of have personal bias blinders on because one, when I go to a buffet, I'm not usually thinking about eating a light protein. When I go to a buffet, all bets are off. You know what I mean? Like for me, buffet culture growing up, we went to, oh God, what was it called? Old Country Buffet, we went there all the time, which truly is like my origin story. One of my origin stories of loving nacho cheese. The other one is that, oh my God, I don't think I've ever shared this before. We're really unpacking some stuff this week. But my, I think my my true nacho cheese origin story is that I, I grew up living in Chicago and we used to go see the Bulls play when it was like... Michael Jordan Bulls, Scottie Pippen Bulls, and I was always more interested in the nachos, <laughs> which is, I mean, come on, of course, like, I'd rather see nachos than some boys playing a sport, uh, which <laughs> is true to this day. But regardless, um, when I go to a buffet, I usually don't pay attention to things like salmon, and I'm so grateful that you called in about this because I haven't been back to Boma in a while since well before the pandemic, and I uh, I never really took note of the fact that they have this great salmon there. I looked up the menu. If this is the same salmon, they still have it, but they have a Senegalese Yasa-style salmon, which sounds and looks incredible. I looked up photos of it. It looks great. So if you're heading to Boma, definitely give it a shot. And if you are someone who loves salmon, maybe head over to Boma to check this out. Boma is a wonderful restaurant, a great buffet with tons of options. I love it there. I just haven't been back in a while, and now I think I gotta go back. Thank you so much for your call. And I hope I hope you got to work on time. I hope you weren't late. I, I don't want the churros hotline to get in the way of your employment. But if you ever get in trouble with your boss for uh, being late, for giving me a call, or if you are the boss, if people are ever mad that you're late, uh, I will bail you out. Uh, I will just uh, write like a doctor's note, but a podcaster's note. That's a thing, right? It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for calling. Hey, Carly. This is Faye. I'm from Hawaii. So I just wore my very amusing rock and roll tee for the first time today. And I got on by a bird. I don't know if I can say but I got pooped on by a bird today, mainly on my head, right at my forehead and my hairline and above my eyebrow, but some landed on the right sleeve of the shirt. So I hope that this will bring me good luck for the rest of my life that I own this shirt and I will never not forget about this day, Friday, June 17th, 2022. Thank you. Hey, Carly, it's Faye again. I forgot to also mention that it happened at work and I do have access to the surveillance system at work. I haven't looked at it yet. I don't know if I want to, but I'm sure my coworkers have, but just wanted to put it out there. Let me know if you want a clip from it. Bye. <laughs> okay. Say, <laughs> so, I, I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing at you uh, getting pooped on because as as I've been pooped on before, just once by a bird, and it was on my shoulder. It wasn't on me, on me. Uh, so I can only imagine how traumatic and uh, shocking this was. Because when it happened to me, I was like, "What is happening?" Because uh, I didn't even see the bird. It just happened out of nowhere. So I, I apologize. For this. <laughs> to you, especially when you're wearing your precious, very amusing t-shirt. Oh my gosh. But the fact, this is what I love. I love that you called back to be like, you want to see it? Because of course I want to see it. 
Of course I gotta see this bird poop on this shirt. Are you kidding me? Um, I mean, if you can pull the security footage, uh, yeah, I would I would definitely love to see it. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm not laughing at you. I am laughing at the fact that you get it. You get it because you're like, this traumatic thing happened to me and I'll never forget it. But also... Yeah, we should laugh at it together, which I appreciate. Um, if your if your shirt is ruined, let me know. I'm sure we can replace it. But either way, uh, thank you so much for this call. And as you know, as you know, when a bird proves on you, it is a lot of good luck. It's a lot of good luck. And so I hope that you are uh, bestowed many good years of good luck from this mm, terrible poopy experience. You had. <laughs> I can't believe you called back on the video. Oh my god, you're the best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> that's our show thank you all so much for listening you can rate review and follow very amusing on apple podcasts and rate and follow us on spotify if you have like truly 15 seconds that you can spare if you can leave a little review on apple podcasts we would greatly appreciate it i want to shout out mem brian who said such nice things uh mem brian said that i i'm empathetic and passionate and the podcast is a must listen for anyone who loves theme parks that you couldn't get a better review to me that is 17 out of five stars i really appreciate it and every time you leave a review i see it and i share it and so if you want if you want me to shout out your review on the show i would happily do that you can give us a call whenever you'd like really at 747 churros or you can send a voice note to 747 churros via text or you can email it to 747 churros at gmail.com you can also buy podcast merchandise yes the very amusing shop is back up and loaded with stuff you can find that at very-amusing.com we have t-shirts we have sweatshirts we have hats we have shrek sember beanies and we also starting probably in a few weeks because i think i'm gonna place the order this week we will have kids tees and baby onesies so um get excited all of my friends who are pregnant or have children because uh your children will unwittingly be small billboards uh but also they'll be really cute in the gear i mean you don't have to you don't, they don't have to wear the shirt it's fine but i will be sending them to you <laughs> uh you can follow me at carly Wiesel on twitter instagram and tiktok i started dumping things on tiktok i always mention it here because i know it ebbs and flows sometimes i like being on it sometimes there is nowhere i would rather uh, be except for there but hey, it's a bit of a nightmare hole. Sometimes I'm on it and I'm back on it. So you can follow me there. Really, you know, really a, just a resounding approval. Just, just me being like, it's a nightmare hole. I don't want to go on it. But if you're on TikTok, so am I. Uh, less, less unwillingly lately. It's not so bad. It's not so bad. Uh, or you can join the Foamly at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This podcast was edited amenably by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's mom. If the phone rings, it's because it's daytime, and I have a feeling the phone's going to ring, so I'm going to talk fast. Um, I did want to wish you a happy belated birthday on the Very Amusing Podcast. I did not do that last week. So I apologize for that. So I was on last night on Instagram, and I saw that you're doing the podcast tee, t-shirt and the sweatshirt giveaway. And, yes, I know I can't do it, but I have everything anyway except the one puppy that I'm going to steal from your closet. But the people on there are so great. Everyone was so nice. They text, they text such nice things. 
They thoroughly enjoyed this podcast. I laughed. I cried a little. Some of them were directed at me, and I was just so happy. Everybody is so wonderful. So I listened to the podcast, and I heard um, I felt bad for that girl, Kathy, that called about the first order that made her cry with the blue square or whatever. I got to tell you, the mother in me, the mother bear, are you allowed to talk back to them? Are you allowed to scream back to them? I don't follow orders very well. Or would they put me in some type of, like, Disney jail? There's got to be a Disney jail. There's got to be. So that could be a good question for next week. There's got to be a Disney jail. Um, Tyler from Canada, I, too, like your wife, love salmon. That's what I usually my go-to every time I go out there or chicken. I eat it quite often, and I totally agree with Carly's salmon suggestions. Um, it's great. And if you happen to branch out, I recently had a fabulous piece of salmon at the Grand Floridian. I think it was more like they're less dining than the big expensive one. So, anyways, it was very, very good. And um, Christine, who called with the most beautiful voice I think I've ever heard, she sounded like Alice in Wonderland. I can listen to her all day long. And it was something about phasmatic, fantastic, I don't know. Anyway. I love the horse. I love that the horse has name tags. Like, I can't wait to see one to see if it says, like, my name is Chester. I've been with Disney six years, an employee. So I have to look at the name tag now that you brought it up. I think that's adorable. Okay. Disney Wish is coming, and I'm sorry, people, if I am just keep saying it over and over and over, but I am so excited that we're leaving soon. I am so excited to be Carly's roommate for, like, five days. I am so excited. I can't stand it. So I just wanted to say I'm very happy. If anybody, oh, if anyone has any questions, because not next week's podcast, but the one after, Carly is having me on, like the whole time, like the whole time. So please, please, please send in questions. Nothing's too private for me. I will tell you anything you want to know, even if it's about Carly. So ask me. And Carly, when you said at the end about Jeff Fox, and let me just say, I'm going to use a word for you. Carly Weisel was delightful. And you know what? He should watch out because you did a great job all by yourself. You always do such a great job. I love you so much, and I'm so, so proud of you, honey. See you next week. Bye.